Hello, and welcome to LINK, the industry's link to learn, innovate, news, knowledge, and global supply chain intelligence, hosted by Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive. In this episode, Editor-in-Chief Marina Mayer talks with Bill Sullivan, Executive Vice President of Advocacy for American Trucking Associations, about workforce development in the trucking and transportation industry. Let's link to Marina and Bill's conversation now. Hello, my name is Marina Mayer, Editor-in-Chief of Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive, and I'm here with Bill Sullivan, Executive Vice President of Advocacy for American Trucking Associations. Hello, Bill. How are you? Doing pretty well. Thank you. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. I know workforce development is a huge topic. Um, So when it comes to workforce development in the freight and transportation industry, what are some of the opportunities that you are seeing, as well as some of the pain points that you're experiencing or that your members are experiencing? Yeah, the, the workforce development side of what we're doing as an industry association is uh, one of the biggest and growing focal points for our members, our policy committees, and our work on the Hill. Um, you know, if I were to try to summarize that in as few words as possible, I would say um, accessing new talent pools, taking advantage of the, um, you know, the technology, the, the current workforce, uh, the needs in the industry, um, as I suspect you and your readers and viewers know, um, professional truck drivers and many of the jobs that support them are really good middle middle income jobs in the United States with um, with uh, ninety basically one hundred percent have health care benefits and, and roughly ninety five percent have retirement benefits. So it's a it's a really solid job for people who want to work hard. Um, go to college, don't go to college, doesn't matter, but it's a skilled professional job. So uh, we're, we have a couple of years ago stood up a committee solely dedicated to this in workforce development um, and been looking at both best practices and, um, and some innovative ideas on reaching new people. Examples of that would be um, people, men and women in inner cities. You know, so we've had some urban hiring in big cities uh, where a lot of truck drivers historically have come out of sort of rural America, um, going into places and, and geographies that have, uh, have people who want to work and significant numbers of folks who are unemployed but who are trainable has been a, a real boon to some of the companies. And, and our work has included also focus groups and, and uh, attempts to understand the, the way that men and women perceive trucking um, today and that it's not your grandfather's trucking industry and it's not, you know, lugging heavy boxes and big stocky people running around. Um, but it's a, it's a, an increasingly high tech job focused on safety and, uh, technology and efficiency. Um, also younger drivers. So one of our, our major efforts on the Hill is to try to answer the question, how can we safely bring younger men and women? So 18 to 20 year old drivers, uh, currently who cannot drive in, in interstate commerce um, based on federal regs, not federal law, but federal regs, how can we find a way to safely bring those men and women into the trucking industry? They currently can drive in intrastate commerce in 48 or 49 states. I think one state has just added recently, but 
Um, so, so these are young men and women who are able to drive. Uh, we do have some data, and Secretary Chow and DOT has been working toward that. But, um, you know, I, I would get up on a soapbox, and I'll try to keep a short soapbox, but just um, the, the easiest thing to do is find people at the beginning of their work life as they're starting to get a feel for uh, what they want their life and career to be, and before some of the parts of that have have solidified. And so when, when people who want to work hard are coming out of high school or, or coming out of vocational school and ask themselves what career they want to get into, they have options like plumber and welder and electrician and, you know, trades that may be a, a really solid salary. Right now, trucking, the jobs within trucking are harder to introduce them to. So what we've seen is that private truck driving schools as a data point, um, Private truck driving schools see people in their mid-30s coming into the truck driving industry. If we're losing men and women for, you know, 15 years at the beginning of their career, they're coming into trucking as a job of last resort and not building a career and a lifestyle. Um, so hopefully we can also access younger, um, younger talent who we can train safely and can ensure that we don't... Um, degrade safety and we're, we're comfortable that we can do that. that that's very interesting point. I never thought of it like that, um, which kind of leads me to my next question. So, you know, with, with COVID-19 happening, you know, how has workforce development in this industry been impacted or affected? How does this, how does this impact the way companies are able to reskill and upskill employees? It, that that's a great question that not many people have asked us yet, although we have had conversations with the DOT and the White House about it, um, because after the first series of challenges that the industry, and, and not just the industry, but all the communities faced with, uh, you know, quarantining or closing um, areas down, and, and for the trucking industry, making sure that our workers were considered essential so that grocery stores still had groceries in them and hospitals still had medicine in them. Um, you know, things were riding on trucks. We had to make sure the trucks could get through. But the second tier of problems that we had were largely about sort of training and um, workforce issues. And as state DMVs, state licensing agencies and, and departments of motor vehicles um, were sending all their employees home working remotely, um, it, it put a real, a real not a crimp in the pipeline that the trucking industry depends on. And, um, you know, I think that it's, it's easy to take a point in time and, and draw conclusions. But what's really true is that the average age of truck drivers, specifically truck drivers, and, and to a lesser but important extent, also technicians and support staff. But for truck drivers, the average driver age is in their mid-50s. And so we have an average driver age that is close to retirement all the time. So there's a lot of attrition in the roughly three and a half million truck drivers in the country um, that has to be replenished constantly. And so when these state DMVs were shutting down, that replenishment pipeline for just the natural attrition that would come uh, was shut off. And so the, the lag time of you know, weeks and weeks of training employees and then the testing that goes into it um, was a real challenge that FMCSA uh, worked with us and the state licensing agencies made some minor adjustments uh, to, to the ability for potentially third-party testing for not just skills testing, but also knowledge testing, both the 
you know, the driving test and the written test. Um, but those, those are challenges that, that in, in a normal time are, can be a problem, you know, sort of testing lags and licensing lags that mean that men and women who have trained to be truck drivers may leave the industry altogether if they can't get their license soon enough. Um, so we perpetually fight that, but it was much more acute um, during the COVID crisis and, and has not been totally resolved. So um, we, we've, we've been finding ways to do it and states have been partnering together better, I, not just in COVID, but one of the biggest challenges is the you know, 50 state patchwork of um, licensing agencies to bring men and women into the industry. And when you have everyone you know, retreating to their corner and treating this pandemic differently, those 50 state agencies, uh, some work together pretty well and some work together better and some don't. And so that challenge for our national carriers especially, but even regional carriers uh, has been hard. So how has technology played into workforce development and trucking? You know, I more and more, much like with the rest of our our life and the fact that you and I are sitting here on a Zoom call, right. you, know, it, you know, a lot. And so, um, you know, it, this also reaches back into the fact that we're, we're um, trying to reach these talent pools of young men and women who grew up in a time of much higher technology than when I got started. Um, so, uh, you know, some of this is our understanding of um, how potential employment and how training is impacted by technology. So how we reach out to people is different. Uh, in, in some facets of the industry, for example, technicians, the American Trucking Association and our Technology and Maintenance Council has worked on a gamification app to try to um, you know, reach younger people in some of the job fair and uh, job recruitment areas. And gamification has been a, a really great recruiting tool across a number of industries. Uh, and we have reasonably high hopes for it too. Um, there are simulators, you know, for trucking like there are for other commercial um, vehicles. And so the, the adaptations we have from technology and also the appeal and the way that we approach um, you know, younger men and women to come into the industry is a really big deal. And, and I should say, you know, I keep saying men and women, right now, a little bit more than 90% of truck drivers are men. It is a terrific job that we badly want to find a way to bring more women into the industry. And I think technology is also a way as, as we and everyone in, enhances our understanding of, of social media and how people connect using social media and, and getting the word out there that this isn't, you know, just big burly, you know, stevedores running around, but it's, uh, you know, an opportunity for people to uh, work close to home. You don't have to be a long haul truck driver. You know, there's hub and spoke where you can be home with your family every night or whatever other conditions you may be looking for in your employment. So um, technology is a key point in all this, you know, from recruiting to engagement to uh, how we train people. And um, it's only going to get more so. So what do you see as the future of workforce development in transportation, you know, post COVID-19 or even in, you know, six months from now, what does this mean for the future of the workforce? I think this has been a great chance for us to assess what uh, really along the lines of questions you've been asking, what's working and what isn't, you know, what have we learned from a more acute issue? Um, <clears throat> the, um, 
the perpetual pipeline of bringing people into the industry. And I, I think I'm, I'll jump back up on my soapbox. Um, you know, I, I believe that if we see an average age of drivers coming into the industry who are, you know, in their 30s, um, we are really missing the boat on finding people who want to make it from, from the beginning of their work life a career in trucking. So our hope really is to find ways to reach men and women at a younger age so that they can, when they are more flexible, able to, um, to start out with a job that may in some cases have sort of that dues paying segment of it over the road long haul, build up some safe miles and have more opportunities to get into, you know, private carriers. If, if people want to, you know, be at their children's events and, and you know, and, and not be traveling as much, it's, it's much easier to do that if you get a, a segment of um, more driving out of the way at the beginning of your life. And once you have those safe miles, come into working for Walmart or Target or, you know, FedEx or, or somebody where you can be home every night. <clears throat> so we think that some of those changes will help expand the talent pool and, you know, over the years, it is it has been fairly constant. We talk about a driver shortage, and everyone's just gotten used to some level of driver shortage. It's a ton or it's a little. You know, during a pandemic, it may be you know it may not be much of a shortage, but it will return really quickly because of this attrition. So, um, you know, accessing new groups of people to to come into the industry is really important to us. And and I think as an employment machine in the country. Um, you know, if you don't want to go to college, but you're willing to work hard, you know, you <clears throat> median salary is 56 grand, but people want to work hard can make six figures and have retirement and healthcare benefits. It's a terrific job to raise a family on, buy a house, uh, put your kids through college. So um, expanding, expanding the awareness of these new uh, talent pools and, um, and finding ways to access them and train them and using all the technology that we're talking about um, is is spot on with what we expect the future to be. And um, I, I think as we're able to reach people at a younger age, also that's going to be really successful, whether that's right at 21 or as we hope, um, working with DOT, working with Congress to say what are parameters that bring people in safely enough who already can get a CDL in, in 48 or 49 states. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, that's wonderful information. Is there anything else that you feel is necessary to to add to the conversation of workforce development we haven't already covered? Uh, not really. I think I think uh, you know we have carriers big and small. We have ind you know there are independent drivers. There are you know huge carriers. And and uh, one thing that has struck me during the pandemic is um, for people who watch news that is not your news, but is, you know, for people watching the news, it's like fighting, fighting division all the time. The amazing thing to me about the pandemic and about the country and our industry and uh, other industries responding has been how we've all pulled together. You know, the, the CARES Act and the Families First financial aid and, and the other things. So I, I, I come out of the, the very acute challenges we faced in the pandemic, um, more hopeful and more optimistic that, um, that we can sort some of these things out with both members of Congress and policymakers in the states 
but but also with our partners in education and um, and all the different nodes that help us bring in people to train and, and um, have a vibrant industry. So I, I'm uh, not adding much other than saying, you know, we have real hope that this isn't a divisive time and, and workforce is one of the most bipartisan, non-divisive ways to, to get things done. So thank okay. you. Yes. Oh, no, absolutely. I appreciate the, the insight because, you know, you bring up a good point, you know, the, despite the division in the country, I feel like from my vantage point, looking out into the supply chain industry, specifically trucking, there's been a lot more unity, you know, a lot more competitors working together for the common good to get product to consumers or to retailers or wherever it's supposed to go. So, um, you know, I, we're always trying to commend you know, the frontliners and the organizations and the businesses that, that, that help make that happen. So those are some good points. I appreciate it. So um, thank you for your time, Bill. Um, and uh, um, we'll hopefully be touching base soon. Maybe when all this is over, we can do a follow-up. Sounds good, Marita. I appreciate you having me, and I'm glad to do a follow-up. Perfect. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you to Bill Sullivan from American Trucking Associations for taking the time to talk with us today. And be sure to tune in every Tuesday to LINK, the industry's link to learn, innovate, news, knowledge, and global supply chain intelligence.